Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Uh, welcome to September and uh, to a new ministry year. I really, I honestly do hope that students who have uh, returned to school have had a good start to the year, have had a good week. Our, uh, our younger son Josiah started college this week and he's still walking upright. So praise the Lord after week one. I hope you've had a good summer. I really do. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, or if you've been away for a while, uh, I will give a personal update that two weeks ago yesterday, my sweetheart of more than 28 years, uh, the kindest, godliest influence in my life, next to my mother, Tarina, passed into the presence of Jesus. Uh, and without a doubt, of course, uh, this has been very, very difficult, and uh, it will continue to be challenging, but I am so grateful for the love and the prayers and the support that you have shown me and our family ever since we met and you accepted me into this church 10 months ago, uh, and I say thank you so very much. That love has not diminished at all. Uh, while I have been here, and I am just so so grateful to you. As I said last Thursday at Trina's uh, celebration service, I don't understand why such a beautiful, godly creature would be taken from us at the age of 50. So we need to be honest about those things, don't we? I don't understand that. But I am reminded of two things. First of all, every day around the world, many other beautiful, godly people who are younger than she was, who are older than she was, pass into the presence of Jesus. All kinds of different circumstances and reasons. Tarina loved to worship Jesus. And I didn't bring the picture, but the most meaningful of, of the last pictures of, of Tarina was at the hospice of where she was for the last week and a half. And she was wheeled out into a beautiful sunroom in the bed that she was in, in the hospital bed. And a group of people from Plattsville Church came in the evening, on Sunday evening, and they had a beautiful worship time together. And there's a picture taken of her. Uh, with her arms just out, worshiping God, lying in that bed. And that is one of the most beautiful images that I have of my wife. Because that's what she loved to do. She loved to worship Jesus. And as difficult as it is to adjust to life without her, the second thing is that it is not for me to deprive her of being in the presence of Jesus. 
Because after all, isn't that ultimately what we all want as his followers? Uh, but the biggest hurdle to get over to get to that place is that last enemy, which is death. And the ugly part about death that I experienced in this journey and I have with others is the hardest part isn't necessarily the death. The hardest part is the dying and the saying goodbye to the people that you love and the suffering and the pain that can come along with that. But with the actual moment of death is that we really don't die, do we? Because God has within us enlivened our spirits to live eternally with Him. And so it's just stepping across that threshold into the presence of Jesus. That's what that is. And so there is that victory at the point of death. Three Sundays ago, our, our churches. Jay and Sandy Calder, I don't know if you're here today, uh, and their daughter Stephanie from Plattsville Church, they went to the hospice with Jay's guitar. Isn't that a blessing? And his long fingernails. <laughs> and the Sunday morning of the week that she passed, they spent some precious time worshiping the Lord. And just that little group uh, worshiping the Lord with Trina uh, while we were together here as a church. Uh, this is, of course, a journey for our family. And, and uh, I experienced the first of, I expect, many good turning points this past Tuesday evening. Uh, I, I came and I joined the elders for part of the board meeting. Grief had been understandably taking me, um, visiting me every day especially in the mornings. But on that Tuesday evening, they gathered around me and they prayed for me so meaningfully. Some of the prayers that were offered were just so incredibly meaningful and led by the Spirit. And I felt a fresh renewing and filling of the Holy Spirit that I will never deserve um, but I am so grateful for that even while here and together and the kind of community I experience that is characteristic of Jesus Church, and I, I want to publicly say thank you to the board for that. I am humbled by how much you, has, you as a church have shown love to me and our family through prayer, uh, through beautiful words, through cards, through gifts. Even a few days ago on Thursday, uh, five ladies came to our house and they blessed us by cleaning. And I want to publicly say thank you to them. Uh, what a blessing. This month, we have a, a vital series that I'm calling Focus. And uh, Nathan, if you wouldn't mind, I'll just, have, yeah, thank you. I'll ask you to advance the slides. Since more than a year ago, our church's leadership has been prayerfully seeking the Lord, as you know, carefully working together as elders and as staff and as ministry council to refresh our purpose and our vision. Uh, our purpose, our, our mission will never change. It ought to always be the same. But how we speak it, how we explain it, uh, how we frame it can be very helpful for us as a church in remembering and in moving forward together. Uh, 
And so we were, we were, we believed it was, it was time for that purpose and vision to be refreshed as a church. And this morning I'm, I'm going to begin briefly presenting uh, the results of that. And this morning in particular, what we understand to have been Jesus' primary focus in ministry. Now if you're to ask a group of people, and, and I've done this before on, on a number of occasions, being a group of, of people as a church, and say, if you could, if you could crystallize or consolidate, and you could say, just in a phrase, what was Jesus on about? And why are we here? What did Jesus tell us that we're here for? You know, we could get quite a diversity of answers. So you might answer the question a little bit differently than, than what I would or than what we would. But I do expect, I hope and I do expect that that what I described today, because it's based on the Word of God, it comes from the Word of God, that we will be able to say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way that it could be explained. It might not be the only way, but this is what we've landed on. And what, what we desire to own together as a church to really be what is, is moving us and driving us forward only by the grace of God and in the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit. May that be the case. And so we're going to uh, briefly present what I understand to have been Jesus' primary focus in ministry. And so I want to invite you to Mark chapter 1. And I do have a, a couple of verses on a slide. To the first words and actions of Jesus at the outset of his ministry. The very first words that are recorded by Mark in his gospel that Jesus would say at the outset of his ministry. So here's the context. Jesus has been baptized by prophet and cousin John the Baptist. Not because Jesus need, needed to be baptized to represent his sins being washed away, but he did that to set an example for us. And he's been affirmed stunningly while in the water of the Jordan River, the heavens have opened, the Spirit the Holy Spirit has descended in the form of a dove, like a dove, descended on him, and a voice, which is the voice of the Father, declares from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. To me, that would have been one of the most amazing moments to have been present. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine hearing that voice? Uh, who knows what it sounded like, but probably this beautiful, booming voice from heaven. And this dove descending. You are my son. In you I'm well pleased. That would have been absolutely amazing. And immediately after that, the Holy Spirit takes Jesus into the wilderness for a grueling testing in the wilderness for 40 days. He comes through that testing perfectly. That is why when we go through trials, we recognize Jesus has two. And now spiritually, he walks through them with us. So we do not walk through trials alone. Amen? But he is walking through trials with us. And he comes through perfectly in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the truth of the written word. Because when he's attacked by Satan, he always responds with the word of God. And now he knows his focus. And he makes it known. So it comes out of a wilderness. Now when things are out of focus, there's a problem. For example, here's a picture. And unless you have some abstract taste uh, with this picture, it's not likely that you would choose this particular one uh, as one to frame and put up on the wall. You might say, 
all right, I, I, have, I have a pretty decent idea what it is, but, but what's the point? Like, couldn't you please put that into focus that we could actually enjoy? And maybe there's something central in there that we're supposed to see, but we can't because the thing is so ruddy blurry. What's the point? Or if you were to start a business, and you were like one couple I knew who told me they were applying, they were going to apply to the government for a small business grant. And when I asked them, I said, oh, that's great. Good for you guys. That's great initiative. So what's, what's the business going to be? What's the plan? And they said, well, we're not sure yet. <laughs> but by the time we get the grant money, we should have a, a better idea. <laughs> and I kindly tried to, try, tried to say to them that, that, that a business plan might actually be part of the application process before they get the money without the plan. Or think of the focus of a 15-year-old young, young woman who believed and understood that she would become one of the very best in what she does. And with laser-like focus, four years later, Bianca Andrescu, because at the age of 15, from what one of the commentators said, she said, I know I'm going to be one of the best. And so at the age uh, of 19, yesterday, four, late, four years later, she wins the U.S. Open, which is one of the Grand Slam events of tennis. Our focus under Jesus is so much more important than that. Amen? It is, it is eternally important, of eternal significance. There is nothing more important than the good news of Jesus. And so we come now to these two verses in Mark chapter 1, where Jesus has come out of the wilderness... And now he is beginning to, to declare, this is why I'm here, this is what I'm on about, this is my focus. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now John the Baptist, who is the one who had declared ahead of Jesus that he was coming, John had been taken into custody. John was in prison because Herod was very, very unhappy with him. And after that, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the good news or the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent or turn and believe in the good news. Right out of the gate, Jesus declares his purpose. Jesus declares his focus, his mission. His MO, or his modus operandi, his overarching priority, his main focus. He comes right out of the gate and he says, the kingdom of God, or Matthew in his gospel, in the first book of the New Testament, Matthew sometimes used the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And it's, this, it's the same phrase. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's upon you. It's here. It's among you. It's arrived. The time is fulfilled, Jesus said. The people have been waiting. People of Israel have been waiting for the coming of Messiah. And Jesus is saying, all the prophecies are all coming together right now, over 300 of them. The time is here. The time is now. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is now among you. Prophecies have come true. Messiah is here. It was on. Jesus was dedicated to, committed to, focused 
on sharing and spreading the kingdom of God. That was Jesus' MO. That was, that was Jesus' focus. It wasn't as though Jesus just arrived and he didn't have a plan. I mean, we know that because from eternity past to eternity future, uh, God has an overarching plan for our lives to fit into. That it's first about God and then it's about us. It's not about us first. And the good news writer Mark then describes Jesus. He immediately begins to carry out that plan. How he begins to carry out that plan is that he goes and he begins to call followers to himself. People he's actually met before. Some of them he's met before. Talked about this a number of weeks ago, how at the beginning of the book of John, he met John the Baptist and his followers. One of them was Andrew. And when Andrew met Jesus, the first thing that Andrew did was he went to his brother Peter and said, Dude, however that said in Aramaic, he said, <laughs> he said, Dude, you have got to meet Jesus. He's the one. There's nobody like him. There's, there's just there's just nobody like him. And so Jesus now, later, after his 40 days in the wilderness, he comes out, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. He goes down to the Sea of Galilee. He's in Galilee. And he calls these guys as his first followers, as disciples. And that, that's part of the continuing story then in Mark chapter 1. So what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Let me first say, here are some things that Jesus would say and demonstrate about the kingdom of God throughout his ministry. To give us a bit of a taste, because we can do a whole series on the kingdom of God. kingdom of God is amazing. But here's a little bit of a taste. Matthew 12, 28. But I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, and then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Where there is deliverance, the kingdom of God is upon you. Matthew 21, 31. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, he's speaking to the chief priests and Pharisees and elders, those who were in opposition to him, who were leading these self-righteous, hypocritical lives. Jesus said to them, I say to you that tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Why? Because of their humble, contrite hearts when they would recognize that they needed God and that they were sinful people. Matthew 21, 43. Jesus, same conversation with the elders and chief priests. He says, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who are producing the fruit of it. So the kingdom of God is a reality in which there will be fruit born, good fruit of character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and I'm pretty sure I missed one of them. Where there will be the fruit of our lives of holiness, of our lives of, of having no fear to share the goodness of God with others, of our walking in the Spirit, as we said, seeing deliverance happen, seeing people set free. Mark 4, 26, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. In other words, the kingdom of God is about the good news of God being spread and not being kept to ourselves. Mark 10, 14, Jesus said, permit the children to come to me. Don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God 
belongs to such as these. The character of people who are part of the kingdom of God is a characteristic of utmost and complete faith and trust in God and humility before him, like children. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, a word of humility, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. He called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. The kingdom of God is also characterized by the miraculous. And finally, Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who even have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So where the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God exists, there will be opposition, won't there? And there will be serious opposition at times. And we will not be surprised when that happens. We will not be fearful when that happens. We will not fear as though we need to exercise our rights because that's what happened, because that's not what Jesus did. What is the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God is not a kingdom in the sense of a single place like a castle. What people think of a kingdom now. If there's a kingdom, then there's got to be some great grounds and a great castle of royalty. It's not that kind of a kingdom. It's not a kingdom in the sense of there being a human military where people need physical weapons in order to defend and to attack. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom in the sense of, of, of having monetary wealth and fortune that is hoarded like the Egyptian pharaohs did, like despots do even yet today. But the kingdom of God is ruled by one great king who loves and sacrificed personally immensely to set the example in order to allow for anyone who wants to give complete allegiance to this great king to rule and to reign with love and justice in each one of those persons' lives to impart his kingdom into our lives. You say amen? The kingdom of God, rather than residing in a physical place, resides in the heart, in the innermost part of us where the Spirit of God is forming, renewing, filling, directing, gifting. The kingdom of God, rather than being a human military, is a spiritually armed people, armed with the armor of God. Armed with prayer, armed with the word of God, armed with righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, armed with holy living, armed with peace, doing battle in the heavenlies, ministered to by angels, filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Who could lose? Who could lose? The kingdom of God exists where Jesus the King is truly reigning. Where Jesus the Good Shepherd is being followed. 
where the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is alive and at work. That's the kingdom of God in a nutshell. That's the kingdom of God that we want everybody to know about. Because if it's changed our lives, then the things that are most formative for us and and, and that are the, the most exciting in our lives are things that we want to share with others. So then what's our focus? What's our focus as a people of God, as a church? Well, just as Jesus called his first disciples by meeting them where they were at, It's really interesting. Jesus met people. That's what he would do. He would meet them where they were at. He would speak their language. He sat with the woman at the well and they had a a fascinating dialogue together about her life because he met her where she was at. When Jesus met Zacchaeus, the tax collector, sitting up in a tree, he calls him down. He says, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house today. I want to meet you where you're at. In this case, Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. The disciples that that he's going to call, they're fishers. They're out in their boats and they're fishing. And he calls to them. And he uses what they're passionate about. He uses their livelihood of fishing as a metaphor, as an illustration of part of what life in the kingdom is about. And he says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And so he takes what they're passionate about, he meets them where they're at, he speaks their language, and he says, let me spin this so that you can understand and go, yeah, I get it. Jesus wants to meet us wherever we're at. And he wants to, to take whatever we're passionate about, maybe it's our livelihood, maybe it's, maybe it's our family, maybe it's, maybe it's gifting and skills that we have, and he wants to, he wants to remind us that whatever that is, he wants to take that and, and use it for his kingdom. Amen? He, wants to, he comes where we're at, he speaks our language, and he invites us to follow him together and let the kingdom grow within us and be evident outside of us so that it will spread beyond us. Our focus is on following this king. This shepherd, this savior, our focus is on following him. Because as we follow him led by his spirit, then we will know who we are to be and what it is that we are to actually do. Following him and helping ourselves and other people to follow him. We, have, we all have other necessary responsibilities with our families, with our work, with our lives. And most important, along with life and informing life and our responsibilities is our relationship with the King. First and foremost, it's our relationship with the King. Can you envision this with me? You envision with me this room, and not this room only, but even the rooms of other churches. 
because of the influence that you've had, maybe on somebody somewhere else, so they end up as, as part of a different church. But you, you have vision with me, this room filled to overflowing. Because we've been inviting people to follow Jesus with us. Can you envision with me our homes and coffee shops and places throughout the community being used to meet people where they're at, to speak their language and to allow Jesus to speak their language through us so that they can capture and understand the kingdom of God and that it can grow in them as well. Maybe at school, wherever it may be. Can you envision with me this place and our homes and coffee shops and other places as places for praying and equipping and learning together, seeing people freed from what binds them, delivered from what binds them, and seeing miracles happen. Can you, can you see that with me? Can you envision with me relationships based on Jesus Christ growing and expanding as together we focus on following Jesus? So that when we get distracted to do other things, or we get distracted and drawn perhaps into conflict about things that really don't matter, that we keep getting reminded, no, that's right, our priority is to follow Jesus. Let's get things right together. And can you envision with me the kingdom of God expanding as we help other people to follow Jesus? Both ourselves and others, our families and our friends and our neighbors. Would you just say this little phrase with me? Following Jesus together. I do have that right, don't I? Helping people follow Jesus. Will you say that phrase with me? Helping people follow Jesus. One more time. Helping people follow Jesus. For years, um, as a church, we've said, love God, love others, serve the world. And you please understand, I mean, we went through a process, and uh, praise the Lord that we're where we're at. But please understand that 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 phrase that we used to say has not changed in the least. Amen? Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't want that in a microphone. This phrase, though, speaks to all of that. That first and foremost, our focus is about helping people follow Jesus. And what will come out of that will be people loving God, loving others, and serving the world. And in the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to unpack three words. They're all on the sign outside, too. You've maybe seen them. Uh, three words, and, and you've seen them other places uh, as well. Connect. Grow and engage. And each one of them is tied very closely uh, to Scripture, the same Scriptures that we would tie loving God, loving others, and serving the world. But this beautiful phrase, would you please uh, own this and, 
and not because I'm telling you to. You, you know, you might say, you know what, I want to say it a different way. I'm not going to try to stop you from that. But as a church together, our desire is to own together, link arms together, and walk together and minister together, saying that we are on about helping people follow Jesus. Helping each other and helping people who have not yet met him so that we're helping people follow Jesus. And over the next three weeks, we'll unpack those three words, connect, grow, and, and engage. As a response this morning, before we join together in communion, uh, would, you, would you pray with me? And I want to invite you, whether or not you close your eyes, I, I want to invite you to ask this question of the Lord today. And perhaps to continue asking this question throughout the week. Lord Jesus, how would you have me helping people follow you? Because to each of us in our individual circumstances and our contexts, that answer will come in, in, in many, many different ways in our specific circumstances. And we can help each other that way too. And we will. Lord Jesus, how would you have me help people follow you? But friends, let's make no mistake as I invite the servers to come forward. Now, helping people follow Jesus and following Jesus ourselves does not come without opposition and challenge. It doesn't come without trials and temptations and opposition. Sometimes they may be small matters. Sometimes they may be absolutely life-changing matters. But Jesus walks with us through them all as we follow him. Because, you know, whatever we're going through, if we're following Jesus, he's going through it ahead of us. Isn't that a great image? The good shepherd is walking through that ahead of us. In Isaiah 53, we read, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like ones from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. We held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. We consider him punished by God for us, stricken by him and afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds. We are healed from the inside out. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our way and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. I want to encourage you today and invite you today as we come to the table that if you are a follower of Jesus, um, you are so welcome. Uh, if you're visiting today, if you're from another church, if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to share communion with us today. If you're not sure, and, or, or, or you're not, or you're, you're, you're struggling, 
or you are seeking, uh, don't feel badly if you just, just pass the juice and the, and, and the bread pass. That's okay too. And as they're being distributed, we'll first distribute the, uh, the bread and then we'll distribute the cup and please hold them both and then we'll take them together. As we do that, we remember the one that we are following. We remember the Lord Jesus who has taken upon himself any and all of those things that we think or we know would separate us from a holy God. And he leads us so that we would follow him. So I'm going to pray and give thanks after they have been distributed. And during this time, I just invite you, as some music is played quietly, I just invite you to worship the Lord. Or if there's anything that you need to bring before him to say, Lord, you know, I, I, I want to remember you, but I just need to unload this to you today. Um, something going on in my life or something that shouldn't be, and I just need to confess it or I need to bring it to you. What a great time to do that so that we can be without anything standing in the way of that relationship, that, that daily relationship with Him, that we can come before Him and we can remember Him because He brings strength and healing even through His special presence while we remember Him through communion. I believe that. I really do. So let's enjoy together. Let's celebrate together. Let's worship together through uh, this Thanksgiving of today. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.